0: Welcome to Intimacy Matters, I'm Nicola Foster, I'm a sex and relationship therapist and a self-confessed intimacy geek. I work with couples around the challenges of keeping passion alive and how to deepen intimacy.
1: And I'm Jason Porthouse, Nicola's partner. I'm also fascinated by what makes for fulfilling, nourishing and sexually alive relationships.
0: So whether you're in one or you want one, join us as we learn from the best experts in the field. And find out how we can have healthier, happier, sexier relationships.
1: So, what's caught your eye this week, Nicola?
0: Well, something I've been paying attention to this week is looking at the latest um, nat study um, that they I did. I know how
1: much you like a nat study. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, it's the British study for um, looking at sexual behaviours um, in the population. And it happens every two years. And this, they just did a special one. And I was really fascinated because, of course, it's something that we've been speculating about in our conversations and with my conversations with other peers. You know, are people having more or less sex during lockdown? Certainly the beginning of lockdown, it was a... Yeah. A media, you know, a hot media question lots of people were talking about COVID babies and all this time at home.
1: Mm-hmm. So what did the study say?
0: Well, uh the study bore out what um I had certainly thought would happen, which is that uh uh frequency and interest in sex declined. Right. Um I mean anxiety and uh Yeah, passion and not great bedfellows it's
1: it's hard to feel sexy in a global pandemic
0: yes so
1: Um, yeah i can imagine that that would probably put people off their stride as it were
0: yeah it it bore out what um what i think most people sort of suspected
1: was anything sort of reported that was positive
0: well another thing that it bore out which also is what had been the experience I was seeing in in some of my couples that came for therapy, is that um, most people expressed that there was no change in the quality of their relationship. Um, but where there was a change reported, more people reported that the relationship quality had improved mm. um, than reported that it had declined.
1: So let me get this straight. So the relationship quality improved if there was a change but their sex life got worse if there was a change. Yes. So people spending more time together, sorting out their issues, maybe addressing things that had gone unaddressed because they didn't have time to, pressures, all the rest of it. And alongside that, they're not feeling frisky, so sex takes a back seat.
0: Yeah, that's what it would seem. I Mm. mean, I think the... You know, one of the factors, of course, is with the anxiety, people are turning to soothing behaviours. Like, you know, a lot of people reported going to, you know, e- eating more chocolate or drinking more alcohol or yeah. some of those like comfort, comfort that cosy behaviour mm. that's very soothing but not necessarily conducive to to intimacy and sexuality. I and mean, Actually, couples who've been living together for a long time need to work at creating mm. time to be intimate. Yeah. And, not, I mean, time, dedicated, special time. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the other thing that's been happening in the pandemic is that a lot of people have had... Um, Many pulls on their time in terms of volunteering, caring for Mm, family members, mm. uh, homeschooling. You know, there's been so much else to think about that it's hardly Mm. surprising, really, that sex sort of took a back seat, as it were.
1: Mm. So Netflix and chill stopped being a euphemism (laughs) during the pandemic. People actually were just netflixing and chilling
0: i think that netflix and chill really was probably quite a young demographic you had to teach me what netflix and chill was yeah, so. <laughs> So on this week's episode, uh, we're delighted to have with us um, Kalindi Jordan, who's an international teacher uh, who's working with sexuality and spirituality, really at that intersection, and... Um and who works very much with the body. Um, She works with women and with couples. And I'm not sure possibly with men too. We'll we'll ask her. Um, So thank you so much, Kalindi, for joining us. Um, And I won't go much longer into your introduction, as I think the whole podcast is going to be a sense of getting to hear about you and your work. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Mm. it's such a pleasure to be invited i'm very excited about having a
2: conversation with you both it's one of my favorite things is talking about intimacy relationships sex bodies pleasure all of it so i'm really happy to be here and let's we can see where we go see where it all goes thank you for inviting me
1: perfect and one i suppose one starting point is is that it shines through on your website and what you share on social media and things like that, that this is a real passion of yours and a real kind of almost like calling, I guess I would describe it as. Where did, where did that come from?
2: No, it's quite, it's quite, for me, I sort of amused, I'm quite amused by all this because it really did start when I was a teenager. I was just one of those teenagers that was absolutely fascinated by the body, fascinated by the concept of love, fascinated by um, the relationship between, obviously, as teenagers, boys and girls, you know, and what was going on there, (laughs) what was happening in my body, what was that feeling when that person talked to me, you know, what was going on when that boy or that girl, what what, was that? Mm. when they're attracted to each other. And so I used to ask um, my friends and people around me so many questions. I just had. I th- so when you say it's a calling, I do really feel it's been a real calling of mine, mm. um, starting from my own sense of curiosity about relationship and about uh, the complexity of it. And then I, I also remember – as a teenager feeling really disturbed by um, that sort of people's place where they didn't feel their own beauty. Mm. I really got confused by how we lost our sense of, uh, beauty and worth and joy in our bodies. Cause I quite enjoyed my body, and when people would put themselves down or didn't feel good enough, and I so I was really and then I started to become more curious about what was why were people not enjoying themselves? Because I just saw people as very beautiful and lovely, and I didn't really get it, and so I started to ask all those deeper questions, mm. and uh, and that sort of was the beginning, really of. Mm. Then, taking in immunity sort of the twenty five years I've worked with people
0: mm. Mm. yeah, it's funny that you should mention that because that's one of the areas where i um, I think of you as an expert, just from what I've read on your on your site, is the um is this yeah, people when people struggle to believe in their body or their beauty. Um, I know a lot of the clients I work with, this is a struggle for them. They have, um, they have a lot of um, embarrassment or shame or negative voices about how they look and that gets in the way of them enjoying sexuality with their partner. And I'm often surprised by it when I hear it in the room, this kind of like, well, it's, it's, it's my body, you know, that, that that's the problem. And, th- and these are very, in my experience, extremely beautiful people. Mm. Um, and so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about um, how you would work with somebody who, who's, who, who's not got that sense of loving their own body. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I, I actually feel,
2: I feel that this is a, is, um, a, a symptom of our society, I think it's an infection that's come coming through our society. It's the and, and the way that that social media, the way that the um, what we're fed basically um, from outside of us of what is perceived to be the the right way to look, the mm-hmm. right way to behave, the right things to like, the right things to dress, and oh, we're sort of constantly being bombarded with supposedly the perfect perfect image um, or the suggestion of it, I think some some things are changing mm. very slowly, but things are changing, which is exciting, yes. um, especially in the modeling world and and the world of women I think that's really exciting, but for you know for a long time, I think we're being fed um, so many pieces of information of how we should look and what beauty is, and so part of it when i 'm Part of it is recognising that infection, that illness that's come into our thoughts and our minds that um, I always perceive them as almost like little little arrows, tiny little arrows that have kind of come in and they've lodged into our system, they've lodged into us. And so part of it is starting to tease out where have they come from because, of course, we've got one, them coming from society. But a lot of people experience um, a lot of shaming, either from their family, um, from their teenage years, from lovers, partners, mm. people more personal and more close. So it's finding out where has where have the belief structures originated. Mm. You know, first of all, it's like where have they come from, and how have they got in here? Mm. Because then we make them our own. We decide to uh, believe them basically Mm. and that then becomes our own self-speak as it were inside ourselves the judgment um, comes in and for me it's like a journey of investigating all of those different aspects that have come in and then starting to rewire and come into relationship with the actual physical sensation of the body what's actually here in this moment Mm -hmm. underneath all those beliefs and thoughts because it's the beliefs and thoughts and shame and uh that creates a disconnect Mm. from sensation Mm. and so the journey is going through through that understanding almost and then almost to the other side of it, underneath it, and coming back into here now sensation mm. based perception. Um, mm. It's kind of that's part of the part of the process.
1: Yeah, because I'm thinking it's I'm imagining it's almost like a double whammy in many respects because you've got the the conditioning on one hand of of the notions of perfect beauty and advertising and all of that sort of bombardment. Um, and all those things you mentioned, and also a society that is progressively more and more disembodied.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Yeah. And we, yeah, and we can see it more and more. And, you know, in the sort of world of computers, we're sort of, we don't even have to present what we look like. We can change the way we look with social media, with effects and all this sort of thing. And and so, again, we, we're in a a teetering point of where that's going to go, of course. Um, But what I find is that um, the journey of the way we feel good in our body is coming into a really deep acceptance of how, how it is, what's here now, Because there are things we can change. Obviously, we can change our hair. We can change our weight can go up and down. There are certain things we can change. But there's so many things we can't change Mm. about the way we look. And there's something about coming into a really um, honest dialogue with our bodies. Mm. Um, I remember when I first started getting cellulite (laughs) and I was like, what I don't want to have cellulite (laughs) I'm not ready to have cellulite and um it was interesting because I started to feel uh really different in my body and it took me a while to work out I had actually started to disassociate from my thighs and I, I enjoy running and I was like I just didn't want to run so much and something was going on and then I I clocked because I had started getting some cellulite, I had made a judgment over my thighs particularly, and I had started to feel disconnected from them, mm. and I had started to not actually be in relation, in a positive relationship with them. And so what I did was to come into positive relationship with it was um, – I had to be very honest with it. I'm not sat here going – I love my cellulite. Oh, I love you. I love you. It's like, because I actually don't love it. But I came into a relationship with it where I started to rub my thighs and be like, I acknowledge you. You're here. I'm with you. Mm. I'm not rejecting you. I'm here. I'm not saying that I love you and want you, but I'm also not rejecting you because you are here and this is what's happening and something massively changed to the point and uh, to the point where it's like I'm not saying that I'm in love with it but I feel love I feel mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. and so there's something about the honest reality with what we have uh, you know and especially with our bodies as they change and they age mm-hmm. keeping in positive relationship honest positive relationship is, is really
0: important mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if there's also something here about in the in the realm of sexuality, feeling worthy of receiving pleasure, you know, or of of being of of being able to relax and have this experience, Um, and that, that how we look like you say, it really touched me what you said about the, you know, not necessarily loving the cellulite. It's like, you don't necessarily have to feel that you've healed all the kind of challenges that you have with your body. But you may feel that you're willing to receive Mm. the love of your partner. And that that actually trumps the feeling a bit rubbish about your body and maybe it is okay to keep a kimono on when you're receiving some pleasure or something if that makes you feel relaxed and comfortable and able to be there Um, yeah yeah
2: absolutely i mean and and, um for me pleasure's all about being in relationship with Mm. you know and and um that's where the being in relationship with our body means that we can more easily receive the offering of touch from our beloved, the offering of um, compliments, appreciation, which are all forms of pleasure in my mind. Mm. Pleasure has many, many forms. Uh, The pleasure of somebody appreciating us, the pleasure of somebody loving us, the pleasure of somebody touching us. Mm. and one of the important components of, of pleasure is being there to receive it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise we miss it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it? Our, our partner's just trying to love us and they, and they don't see all the different things that we might see about our body or even about our nature.
3: Yeah.
2: They just, get, they just see us as us and go, I love your laugh. I love the way you do that quirky thing. I love the way you look.
0: Yeah, it, It's absolutely <laughs> huge. I, I've been just deeply diving this month into um, the field of adult attachment, which is a big area of interest of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, I absolutely love Diane Paul Heller's book about returning, to, called The Power of Attachment, Returning, and it's about kind of coming back to secure attachment and it sounds so kind of fancy, all of that, but actually, the chapter on healing anxious attachment has so much in it around being there to receive, because often what's happened is that we've kind of, in in all the anxiety, we've lost the capacity to actually be there when the good things arrive. So it's learning yeah. to be there. So I think what yeah. is so important. Yes.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's true for you know being on the other side of the fence as well as if if there isn't anyone there to receive what you're giving mm. Mm. it gets very difficult
2: i I agree because I, I what i find when i work with couples you know sometimes i'm really noticed that uh, um what maybe one one of the partnership has been very praising of the other and very appreciative for a long time and, and the other part of the partnership isn't really receiving it. And then eventually the one that's been offering the praise and the appreciation and love stops giving it mm. Mm. because it's not being received, it's not being acknowledged. And so there's um, not a really healthy reciprocation of giving and receiving. That Life is, it has a balance that it needs to um, have a balance of equal giving and receiving. Our whole system is all about balance, We around giving and receiving. Every organ in our body is about the receiving and giving. It takes on chemicals and it takes them on and then it gives something back. Mm. Everything has a cycle of giving and receiving. Mm. It it makes harmony, basically. And so if somebody's giving, us receiving is incredibly important. Actually, Mm. it's an important part of that cycle, so somebody is telling you, uh, appreciating you, and sharing something of wonder. See if you can stay present to receive it, even if you don't believe it. Can you receive it? Can you mm. be there enough <laughs> in the moment to receive it for sure? Yeah. Really
1: important. And I think that can you know that the importance of being able to receive is often just underestimated and 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 the fact that it's sometimes not easy Mm, it it can be a real block can't it i think for a lot of people men and women and 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 yeah just that that sort of like you say can you stay present with that and for a lot of people they just can't
2: yeah and it comes back to those um the build-up of those uh belief structures inside us that they are the pieces that uh, create a resistance to receiving, yeah. either receiving the words or the emotional, the emotion that somebody's sharing or the physicality that somebody's sharing. It's like it's those belief structures that we've cultivated inside us that um, create that resistance. Because, again, my fascination over the years is like, what is in, when I'm working with people, it's like, what is it that's in the got in the way? Mm. What is that structure that's stopping somebody receiving themselves and receiving the gifts of intimacy and pleasure and sexual in, in, enlivenment, um, awakening, whatever
0: that might be? in the course of your work with in your workshops what would you say are some of the common things that people report have got in the way what what are the most common kind of struggles you hear people bring
2: yeah so i think some a lot of the common themes that um i mean a lot of the common themes that come up are, are different forms of trauma mm. and um In my view, trauma comes into the body in different ways. There's mental trauma, which, you know, it comes from um, what we're told, how we're treated, what what something on the outside has said, you know, um, that more sort of, and that can be at varying levels. Uh, A lot of people don't necessarily call it trauma, but it's like uh, those structures come in, but they create a traumatic response. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: Again, emotional manipulation, emotional confusion, either in childhood um, or in adulthood, wherever, emotional confusion. And then, of course, physical, either not, uh, you know, from the level of some sort of physical abuse, but also to uh, just physical injuries, Mm. um uh, just uh, t- do, saying yes when you actually meant no, mm. you know in moments of intimacy or meeting somebody that it's not necessarily classed as a, what w- people would often think as a trauma, but it, the body holds that memory mm. yeah. And so what then we're getting is responses of numbness disassociation uh the um capacity to not actually let go fully into orgasm so that they can a certain amount of energy will build and then a kind of form of uh doesn't quite fulfill Mm -hmm. and so um so there's a lot of that that people are experiencing um how also there's connection and suddenly the mind the mind comes in and sabotages um you yeah, know so a lot of sort of no I, I feel that a lot of people know that there's something deeper and there's something more that they could be experiencing mm-hmm. and they don't quite know how to get there or what, why they can't feel it but we know it <laughs> we know there's a lot of pleasure and joy in in here yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we yeah all sorts of things come along in our life journey that um just knock the viewpoint mm. they knock the viewpoint mm. and so it's just finding the way back to to coming into connection with mm. your body for sure yeah,
1: yeah and that sense of reclaiming what is an innate birthright yeah yeah I guess,
2: isn't it? so if we look at like babies it's like that fascination of um they they're almost just pure sensation really because they haven't named anything they haven't judged anything they haven't put anything into uh, a category mm. and i'm not saying we can live an adult life like that but what i'm saying is that um uh, we can regain that sense of curiosity and that sense of that level of connection, of fascination with the sensations of our body mm. and the sense of our body mm. and the pleasure that lies within the curiosity of interaction with the world. Mm. And so there's, we can reclaim that. We
1: can reclaim that for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the image I have is a sort of sort of you know ferreting around and uncovering layers and layers and layers of all this sort of crap that's been piled on. Mm.
3: And,
1: and some of it's even ancestral. You know that that I think yeah. there's an ancestral component to all this as well. You know, with, yeah. the, the kind of the long history of denying the feminine and denying feminine
3: empowerment yes.
1: and keeping keeping the feminine you know kind of suppressed yeah and alongside that a kind of equally unhealthy version of what masculinity is as well Mm. so these two kind of things that collude to kind of create a distance from this innate sensate knowledge that we have
2: yeah i i mean as you've just mentioned ancestral stuff in in my experience is because I'm probably very similar to to you both, but it's like when we're looking at what's in the way, we come at it from all sorts of different angles, you know. And where so where is it coming from? And again, ancestral, mm. ancestral behaviors. Us, we're we're all working on that, mm. you know. We're all working. It, it travels through, obviously, our own parent parents' behaviors or our carers' behaviors. But it also sort of runs through um, sort of DNA memory. Mm. It's in the blood, you know, the behaviors and the thought processes. They're all traveling through the blood that we we all carry. Um, And so there is this... We're all unpacking quite a big, yeah. <laughs> big sexual stories. <laughs> we look back in history. We look at our parents and our parents' parents and the different choices that they were and weren't given. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's big stuff that we're all exploring actually. And I really take my hat off to uh, the courage for people to, to be curious and
0: and look look. And say what can I change here it's it's great yeah thank you thank you for bringing that Jason yeah it's such a rich mm. area I, I feel very um fortunate that before I started doing this work I had done some studying in family constellations and so having that um Insight into watching how the, yeah, the the, the things that happen to the grandparents' parents, you know, the great grandparents can still be so present in the body, can still be playing out and be unknown. They're not in the conscious, but they're in the unconscious. Um, And yeah, when we like, like you say, when we get courageous enough or or just sometimes the block gets so big, doesn't it, that we it's just time we have to. A client comes because actually they're not willing to keep carrying on with this block being there and it needs to be looked at. And then it's like Jason, I love that image of Jason, Yeah, of like digging out all the stuff that's kind of got layered in on top to try and find out. I, I sometimes say to clients that, that we're kind of co, um, we're like detectives together in the mystery of what's going on. And it's not that I'm some expert who's imparting my knowledge, but that together we're we're getting really curious to look at well what what might be the confluence of physical and historical and emotional and and psychological and conscious and unconscious and all the different things that yeah. might be coming together to mean that there's this this block.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the analogy of a detective, because it's like again, a detective it doesn't they don't know the answers, that, but they're there to inquire mm-hmm. and, and find out and link and link the different areas, all the different um, uh, what's the sort of all those different aspects of a situation that seem disconnected,
3: mm.
2: but then work out how they're all connected and how they all influence each other all those pieces of a puzzle Mm. and it's just such a value to have somebody when somebody wants to unravel their sensuality their sexuality their relationships having somebody to uh, be a detective together is of absolute importance I believe because it's really hard to see ourselves Mm. it's really hard to see the connections from when we're inside ourselves so having someone to be a detective with you um, brings a huge amount of value actually yeah.
0: and on the subject of having someone with you um, something I'm really uh, fascinated about is, is the power of community when it comes to healing and I know you run a group program I wonder if you could say something about that about the mirror neuron effect of kind of being in a group when you're looking at this
2: um, yeah so I I run um, groups with with, with with women and um, what I find is when you're sat in a space, and obviously I also run groups with couples as well um, but if I just sort of talk about in relation to groups of women um, there's a collective unraveling that for example women are doing right now again a bit like what jason's saying the ancestral but also the archetypal Mm. um, patterns that women are working on and so there's something very of huge value of women coming together and exploring the challenges the themes what's coming up being in that vulnerability because again, I think, as all of us, no one, no one's knowing the answers, but we're all exploring um, a new design together, and we're all shedding the same things. Actually, they mm. all um, they all show themselves diff- different in our own individuality, of course, because mm. we're all in individual stories and experiences. But actually, there's a lot of collective understanding and and what i find when women come together is they're incredibly loving and compassionate to each other i'm really willing to um honor and respect uh the courageous work that each woman is doing in their own investigation mm-hmm. of what's got in the way of them feeling really empowered and really connected And so I think I've been doing them for 10 years now in various forms. And I think that's one of the huge humbling and heart, uh, really opens my heart basically watching women. And then there's something very, um, when a group of people are, are practicing embodiment practices together, uh there's the uh collective what should i call it i don't know if power is the right word, but like the collective resonance mm. of the nervous system support each other to change into something new and so there's something really valuable it's a bit like i don't know if any, you know when people watch uh groups of people doing tai chi or qigong in the park or something mm. if you stand near them there's just this sort mm. of collective resonance and mm. nervous systems have uh, interlinked in a way. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's something about doing embodiment practices with groups of people that helps each other shift and, and relax into a new pattern and a new design. Mm. And so that's why I love doing, I love doing group work and my passion is very much with women and couples
1: of course but yeah yeah my experience of doing you know group work with with men has it's um totally echo what you say about the power of just that common experience mm.
3: and, that,
1: and that somebody can bring something to a group that you suddenly think oh right okay you know I've, I've I, that's me you <laughs> know I can I can relate to that as well yeah. and there's just something so uh healing about hearing those common experiences coming from other people
2: Mm, yeah we can feel so isolated in our own story yeah you know and it doesn't mean we always have to sit in a group and tell everybody our history and our story but just um hearing people's reflections and and um responses to things it just opens up and and again um and you probably experienced this, Nicola. I mean, this is more maybe in one in one-to-one space, but um, when there's shame in the body, when there's shame about something, either like we've been talking about the way our body looks, or there's shame about our sexual preference, or there's shame about what we desire, or or something, what shame really means is to be heard and met in a clear clean loving space mm. with no judgment and um, and that's the real challenge of shame because that's the thing it, it fears the most is being seen and heard and exposed mm. but the remedy of it mm. is being seen heard and shown but in such a loving way with no judgment of it. Uh, the incredible uh, transformations that I've witnessed um, through that kind of level of I just can't carry this shame anymore. I just need it to change. You know, I need it to melt away. And offering that into a safe space mm-hmm.
0: with somebody is incredibly powerful. Yeah, completely Agree, the that word "light," you know, shining the light, um, being, being witnessed, being seen, being able to speak about things that you thought, because of the conditioning that was layered on you, were, were, were not okay to say or to share and then to be, mm. to be witnessed mm. and um, loved in, yeah. in all of your um, messy. You know, and all your messiness, all the things that may not be um, or that you may believe to be shameful and to actually have that yeah. that light shone. I think that's why, I, you know, one of the reasons we wanted you to come on the podcast and why we're doing the podcast is to bring the areas of sexuality into the light and peeling back these layers of shame.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think we're in a really um, great time because I think I, I think there is a, a sexual liberation going on. I think there's still some shadow and there's still some complexity, but there is, you know, all styles of relationship are starting to be way more accepted in society, whatever combination of humans coming together, mm. you know, and all sorts of different sexuality and expression of intimacy <clears throat> uh, are... Uh, much less shameful and much more put in the category of um, exploration and adventure and playfulness. Um, and, and I think that's really exciting. Mm. Um, and so I do feel things are changing and I do feel um, we're still all finding our way with it. Mm. But it takes each of us to take interest. Takes each of us to take interest in relationship and take interest in our own sexual self and inquire and go, who am I? What do I want to be? How do I want to explore pleasure? How what What, what is this body? What does it um, want to experience and share? And how does it want to bring pleasure with somebody else? And mm. yeah, all of these beautiful questions. Mm-hmm. So... It's very um, exciting time for a relationship, and also powerful time for a relationship because we are shedding so much, so much as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yes, it, yeah. I, I agree that the notion of an exciting time, and I also wonder as well because these things are sort of they they often never happen equally, and I'm seeing an awful lot now of of sort of more and more evidence coming through about the damage for uh, in in terms of male sexuality around things like mm-hmm. pornography use and stuff like that you know that there's this sort of so on the one hand you've got this sort of rising up of consciousness around um all the topics we've been talking about and also this kind of prevalence of something that's you know little bit darker and and maybe more harmful and so there's Mm. again this sort of coming into some some kind of balance around that
2: yeah that's the challenge is there's some shadow of it there's this this freedom arising and then there's all this complexity and it's yeah questioning which part of it do we want to allow ourselves to delve into for sure
3: yeah
2: i think there's a huge thing as well in the in um I mean, I'm not a man, so I can't speak from that experience because it's a it's, it's a different psyche. But there's a huge amount moving for for men. I believe. I think it's a very powerful time for mm. men at the moment, and um, yeah, huge amount of shedding around um, power and power, empowerment and disempowerment yeah. and powerlessness. Yeah. And the relation to women coming into the perception of power. And so what does power mean for man? Mm. You know, because there's been a lot of uh, disempowerment mm. for men as well. And yeah. so rewiring what is power mm. is huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that sense of, yes, like you say, coming to a, a new understanding of what you know, a, a new definition, maybe, of masculinity and 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 carrying that energy and what does that mean and what does that look like mm. and how can that manifest in a way that isn't sort of predicated on subjugating, you know, or propping up the patriarchy or subjugating half of the population or you know or denying the the kind of the power that's innately there in that. So yeah.
2: And I, th- I, I again, I think that's exciting like as, as you as you do it's like there's more more and more men exploring it again, yeah. none of us know the full answers of how do we shed pa- shed uh, patriarchy. It's so insidious in our psyche, yeah. but we're asking the questions, which yeah.
0: is the most important piece right now. I always feel such a strong um Passion to want to be speaking to both women and men, because mm. I think this is such an important time, and men have got with with so many questions about sexuality and pornography and whether it's an addiction or not, and um, the Me Too campaign and how to be with sexuality, and you know we have the privilege of being. Um, in a couple dynamic as a a, born in a a man's, you know, me in a woman's body and Jason in a man's body. And whilst that's a kind of heteronormative dynamic, it's also a place where we can come to a podcast and ask these questions about what it is to be a woman at this time, what it is to be a man at this time. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like there's a lot of women doing amazing work, amazing uh, personal development work. But if the men... Not also joining in on that um, dialogue with themselves and asking themselves the questions about their sexuality and who they are as sexual men, then um, there's a bit of an imbalance. So,
2: yeah, and so there's a real invitation for 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 men and women to step into that inquiry. And again, it's not. I think we're creating the the new design. You know, and so um, what I'm finding, though, more and more, is that um, when I work with couples, when I work with the the men individually, um, a lot of what I'm finding is 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 working with um, the elements of shame. And the places that are almost like the the men's wildness, the wildness that's been tamed Mm -hmm. and the fear of their own wildness because the wildness has been judged.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the wildness has, um, there's almost my sense, and obviously, you know, this is just a, a bit of a, reflective place, Mm. but it's like something to do with um, the misplacement of the wildness has Mm. then fully just judged the whole of it. Mm. And therefore the passion gets lost because they're not giving permission for their raw wildness of, um, and wildness to me doesn't mean chaos no wildness you watch a wild horse running across the moorland it's not chaos it's watching where it's running it's looking after itself it's wild and free but it's very conscious of the ground and the terrain Mm. it's running on so wildness to me is something that's very steady and very focused and it's all totally aware of its surroundings but it's Mm. free and so there's something about um the uh, misuse of it over time only on some levels because of the shame o- o- over that it's also shame put the wildness in the same pot as it mm, were. Mm. and i really crave that from myself as woman but also from men yeah. and i do feel that there's something in that where the loss of passion it's taken away because of this, some judgment, mm. misplaced judgment mm. of uh, men's wildness. Mm. I mean, it's a theme to open
0: up, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. That, yeah, <laughs> it is a
1: fascinating. It could be theme. a
0: whole other, whole yeah. new That's episode. of a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's, it's so, a it's fascinating sure. subject for, for sure. sure. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm interested to know because we've talked about earlier on about some of the blocks that you see in women and some of the, the kind of the negative messages and all of those things and I'm I'm wondering if you could speak a little to the 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 kind of the rewards that come through this kind of uh, inquiry.
2: Mm, absolutely, um, oh my gosh, I I. I think uh, one of the exciting things that I I love is just I get phone calls from women going, oh, I just want to tell you that I've just had the first orgasm ever with a man. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't think many people, too many people get those kind of phone, <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> and so I feel very privileged Um You know, and so obviously that sort of thing is some of the rewards of taking the effort Mm. Mm. to go, actually, you know, I feel like I could be enjoying this human experience way more. I really feel like we could take our relationship even deeper. And so so the rewards of it are experiencing more connection, Mm. experiencing a movement of pleasure, uh, liberating your orgasm. Mm. Liberating your um orgasmic um creativity with your partner, yeah. opening up something new when we start to shed the shame and the and the restriction of beliefs, especially about our bodies um we get a sense of freedom and curiosity back, which means we open up to playing playing more with this body mm. um and get more creative so a lot of um people report to me that they actually feel more inspired in their work Mm. they feel more creative in in whatever projects they love doing um they start becoming uh attractive attracting Mm. not just to partners or Lovers, but also to things that make them grow. Mm. Mm. As you, as you both know, like, and I'm sure many people know, but sexual energy is not just about sex. It's about your creativity. It's about yeah. your uh, vital vitality for life.
1: It's yeah. the life force. So those horse, are the pales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sort of echoes all the way through.
2: Yeah. Yeah, echoes all the way through into all our relationships is Mm. when we're in our sexual vitality. Mm. It's about our creative connection with everything.
0: Mm. So it's so worth uh, inquiring. Mm. Oh, that was a beautiful question, Jason. And I think a a lovely place to end because it's such a... Uh, yeah the hope and optimism of more vitality more creativity more um aliveness that's yeah that's a wonderful promise yeah absolutely Uh, our bodies are really
2: really built they have for pleasure Mm -hmm. you know on every level we can look at our minds they can uh create and explore such pleasure Mm -hmm and such beauty in our hearts. Look at our hearts and our emotions. We can create such beauty and connection between us. Mm. Bodies have so much delight in them. Yeah. Um, we really, really can receive on a very deep level life mm. and feel vital in it. Mm. So inviting everyone <laughs> listening <laughs> to open up, have that beautiful... Uh, even just a moment of courage to just go, okay, yeah. I'm ready to receive myself. Yeah,
1: I for think sure. I understand why it's such a calling for you now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Kalindi. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on mm. our uh, our podcast, and no doubt. And I'm hoping that very much that you'll come back again, and we'll we'll talk some more about other subjects too. Where can people find out about?
2: work Mm. so people can find out about me at kalindi.jordan.com, and um as nicola asked me earlier i run something called sensual mastery for women and it's a three-month journey of exploring and finding your own sensual and sexual roadmap Mm. so yeah inviting you to come and join me Fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much, Glenda. I'm going to take that image of the horse, um, in its wildness, uh, with me. So beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can interact with us at wanting-more.com.